Welcome back to the Northern Kentucky Football Show. This is the week two edition. Stop me if you've heard this before, but on a dark and stormy night, all football games played in Northern Kentucky on Friday went through rain and lightning delays up to an hour and 45 minutes, but the games went on. 12 games were completed, and one game was pushed to Saturday night. Uh, the Dayton Pendleton County game was moved to Monday night due to unforeseen events. Uh, some moving and shaking on the football landscape after this weekend. Cooper Jaguars get a huge win over Dixie to stay unbeaten. Talk to Randy Borchers. Uh, you'll hear that here in a little bit. Ryle also with a big win over a district rival, Connor. Cuffcath gets their first win on the road uh, in the Pike County Bowl. Beachwood went back on the road and did Beachwood-type things. Running clock, Joe. Running, As you called it. Running clock. Newport Catholic won in the Thriller at Holmes. What uh, stuck out? To you this week, Joe. A couple of things. So the famous Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. There are some teams who I thought they were something that maybe they're not. And, you know, sometimes you need to see a bigger sample size before you really judge what you think a team might be for that season. Also, I have a question that I want to ask in this show, but I don't think I want to ask it just yet. It's mm -hmm. a big picture thought okay. on Northern Kentucky football, but I'm going to save that question for later in the show. Nice. To the week two games, the final from Chlorine Menifee Stadium, Highlands 53, Simon Kenton 38, and what may be the highest yardage shootout of the season, the, Blue the Bluebirds leave Independence victors and undefeated Charlie Noon returned to the team this week and made his presence felt with a massive offensive output. In the first quarter, Noon tossed the first two scores of the game to senior receiver Clayton Lloyd, the first for 20 yards and the second for 27 yards. Simon Kenton would answer in the second on a Chase Crone 29-yard touchdown pass to senior receiver Luke Morrison. Noon's 48-yard touchdown run followed by his 12-yard touchdown pass to Brody Benke would give Highlands a 29-8 lead going into the break. Pioneers would come alive in the second half. Sophomore Andrew Petty's 34-yard field goal kicked off the scoring uh, in the third, and Chase Crone would follow that up with a 27-yard touchdown pass to junior Chase Williams to cut the lead to 11. Simon would get the ball back and drive. Uh, that ended in a Chase Crone touchdown run, which cut it to 29-25. However, Charlie Noon does Charlie Noon-type things. His 60-yard run on the next drive, set up a 10-yard touchdown run from senior Jacob Welch, and it was 36-25. Highlands would score again on a Davis-Burley 24-yard field goal to make it 39-25. Chase Crone would answer with a 60-yard touchdown pass to Jaden Lawson on the screen, but then the Birds would get a 52-yard touchdown pass to the speedy Jacob Welch. Did you see that clip? I did not. Lightning. This kid is lightning. His numbers are unbelievable. Yeah which extended the lead to 53-32. to 32. Chase Williams would score the final touchdown for the Pioneers off of a nine-yard pass from Crone. The numbers from this game are absurd. According to James Weber from the Enquirer, Highlands posted 605 offensive yards to Simon Kitten's 603. Charlie Noon threw for 394 yards and five touchdown passes and rushed for 164 yards and a touchdown. Welch had eight catches for 194 yards. Crone threw for 319 yards and four touchdowns. Chase Williams had 10 catches for 168 yards. Jaden Lawson rushed for 233 yards. 1,200 total yards of offense between these two on Friday. It's just unbelievable. Imagine being a high school football coach. Your team 
has 603 yards of total offense, and you lose by double digits. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's just got to be a wild feeling for a high school coach yeah. to see that kind of number and see that kind of result. A couple of things stood out to me in this game after the week one win for Highlands when they had the sophomore quarterback come in for Charlie Noon because he wasn't available and had a great game yes. and won a big-time game against Bowling Green. Look, none of us thought Charlie Noon had lost his job. We all knew the second he came back and was ready to play, he was going to play. But there's still that kind of big brother, little brother thing like, oh, little brother, you're getting your shine? Wait a minute. I can still play. Yeah. Charlie Noon accounted for 558 yards of total offense. 558 of his team's 605 yards. That is a statement that it is his team. And when you put up those kind of numbers, I think the statement is heard loud and clear. Some things here about Simon Kenton I would like to talk about. Look, they fell behind 29-8, showed some guts, showed some life to get back into this game and cut it back down to 29-25. But you mentioned that run by noon, that 60-yarder. People that were at that game say that was the play of the game. Mm. 29-25, Simon Kenton has momentum. It's third down and noon, steps on the gas and makes a huge play, 60-yard run. They score the touchdown later that drive, and that kind of seemed to even things out for uh, Highlands going forward. Bob Spire, 2-1-0. Yeah. What a start right there for Highlands to get off to a 2-1-0 start with him as their new head coach. Um, I think that's looking up for Highlands. Uh, 40 points, 38 points scored by Simon Kenton. That has to be a concern for Highlands, but on a night when it's just a track meet, you score your 53, you get out of there with a 2-1-0 record, you got to feel pretty good. Yeah, and Coach said it in the post-game interview with James Weber that – it's almost um, it's like the, the good and evil in every coach. Yes, we won. We scored these many points, but our defense gave up X amount of points. So there is that struggle there with coaches. But on a night – when you have offenses like that, sometimes the, the universe aligns and things like that happen. And I think the one thing for me is that Simon Kenton has played two really good second halves once they're able to put the four quarters together especially with 6A the way it is, they're going to be fine. The way they performed week one was was excellent against Bowling Green on the road, made plays, and, and didn't allow many points in that game. This Is this the outlier? Is that the outlier? We don't know yet. Again, we have to have a bigger sample size before we judge what they are defensively going forward. But I do want to give a quick shout-out to Jaden Lawson, a bounce-back game for Huge. him. Yes. 233 yards rushing and the 60-yard touchdown catch. That's a big bounce-back game. That's almost 300 yards of total offense. That's who he is. He's, he's that kind of capable of player. Uh, you know, Obviously, not going to have 300 yards every game, but a guy that is really, really a good running back in Northern Kentucky. Good to see him have a bounce-back game at a big game. Cooper, 19. Dixie, 10. Cooper, massive win at home against the Dixie team that many feel could be one of the strongest 6-8 teams in Northern Kentucky coming to the year. Colin Smith's interception in the first would set up Dixie's Andrew Cole, who kicked off the scoring with a 27-yard field goal midway through the first quarter. But the Jags would answer on a Brennan Tide touchdown run to make it 6-3 after the extra point was blocked. A Logan Landers touchdown run gave Dixie a 10-6 lead, but it would be all Jags after that. Brennan Tide's 35-yard touchdown run that made its way all the way to the final quarter top three. Who won that? He won Brennan Ty won? Absolutely. It was between he and the young man from Ryle. Jace Harden? Yeah. And in Jace's defense, I didn't get that out there until right before showtime, Mm -hmm. so there wasn't a lot of time to vote. That's because of the Marty Party at Great American Ballpark. Kept me busy all night. 
But yeah, both of those runs were pretty impressive, but I think Brendan Ty deserved it. Yeah, that gave Cooper a 13-10 lead. Uh, Drew Worth had himself a night, but also himself a leg. His 22-yard field goal gave the Jags a 16-10 lead going into the half. Drew would add a 26-yard field goal later in the game, and the Cooper Jaguars defeat a very good Dixie team to build a little bit more confidence heading into the week against Ryle. Uh, Drew Worth was 8 of 14 for 107 yards, including the interception to Colin Smith early in the game. Brennan Ty ran the ball 18 times for 152 yards. Eli White rushed 17 times for 58 yards. Senior receiver Xavier Smith continues to play well. Five catches for 79 yards. Jake Harmeyer had a 17-yard catch as well. Uh, Lucas Hughes and Brennan Ty had five tackles. Cole Henry, Jack Loniker, and Xander Taylor, each with four. Logan Landers was 16 of 32 for 164 yards. Pierce Roman was held to 27 yards on six attempts. Landers ran for 12 yards, including the touchdown run. Roman, four catches, 58 yards. I said it last week. Was that his first one ever? Now dude's out here catching four balls. It's like Peter Work. Uh, Cal Hawkins caught four for 51 yards, and Devin Holbert had four catches for 33 yards. Don't have defensive stats for Dixie. Got anything on this one, Joe? This is the one that surprised me, and I think I called this an upset on the final quarter on Friday night. Maybe it's not. Maybe it'll play out throughout the season, and we'll see that Cooper really is a better football team than Dixie. I don't know. It's only week two, but I'm going back to last season, what Dixie did at the end of last year, what they have coming back, and I thought they would be the best 6A team in Northern Kentucky. And I want to stop myself because maybe this game doesn't say anything bad about Dixie. Maybe it just says how good of a win it is for Cooper. Agreed. I think this is more about Cooper than it is about Dixie. And what we're seeing right now is a team who started off 2-0, wins over GRC, and now a win over Dixie. That's an impressive start for Cooper. And this kid, Brendan Ty, the Northern Kentucky, Joe Mixon, three touchdowns in two weeks. You come out, you break out the way he did, and it's not just scoring touchdowns. It's making big plays. It's making splash plays and really, really cool plays that uh, we put on Twitter, have fun with. And I think he's a really impressive player, and I've really liked watching him play so far this season. But, yeah, I think the big takeaway from me from this game isn't so much about Dixie. We saw Dixie kind of go up and down a little bit last year before they got it right at the end of the year. I think they're going to be fine. they got yeah, a lot of great players and a great coach. I think this is about Cooper and a great start to their season and a really, really impressive win in Week 2. Caught up with Cooper's head football coach, Randy Borchers, this morning to talk about this win and what it means for the team heading into another difficult week. And here is that interview. The Cooper Jaguars with a huge win at home on Friday night against a very good Dixie team. Coach, congrats on that win, and thanks for coming on, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. Going on the road and getting that first win in week one, which is always important, and beating a GRC program, that's always tough. Uh, Then enduring a long weather delay Friday night and putting together a team effort to get a great victory. You know, What do these first couple weeks tell you about your team? Well, I think the big thing the first week, um, you know, we kind of came into that game with some confidence, but not um, real sure of ourselves. And we came out early on and, and, you know, made some mistakes and and really wasn't playing with a lot of confidence. And um, as the game went on and we continued to kind of compete and and make some plays, our kids, you could kind of see them getting more and more confidence as the game went on. We went in at halftime, I think. 10-3 maybe or, or 10-6 somewhere in that range and 
you know, as a coaching staff, you know, we felt pretty good. You know, we felt like we were in pretty good shape. We felt like our, our we didn't play the best first half of football we could. And um, we kind of settled down and came in that second half and, and really put a pretty good half together. And then this past week, you, know, you could kind of see our kids are starting to get that little bounce in their step and, and gain some confidence and um, starting to get a little bit of a swagger, mm-hmm. you know, not really a cockiness, but just a, a little bit of a swagger like, hey, we, you know, we can compete against some of these teams and you know, we, we can have a pretty good football team. And that's kind of what we've been preaching all year. Um, you know, coming into that GRC game early in the year, you never know how good someone is. You right. Know, you get a few scrimmages, but you never really know what they're showing, what they're not showing, who they're keeping out. So, you know, we went in that GRC game feeling like we had the ability to have a nice program this year, a nice team, and um, but really not even coming out of that game, not really knowing, you know, how good was GRC. You know, are we really that good, or do we, you know, just not play a very good team, or, or where are we at? You know, then and then facing Dixie, you know, looking at them on film, you know, they got a really good team. They're they're very well rounded. They got a lot of kids back from last year. So we knew coming into that game we would kind of have a good idea of where we were gonna be as a program just because you know, we knew that how good they were and how good they are. And um, you know, when we came in Friday night and, and you know, we first series we threw an interception um and they had it on about the 10 yard line and we held them to a field goal you know that was a win for us and, and, and a win for our kids to say hey look we can compete and you know our kids went in the rest of the game believing that they they, they can win that ball game and, and we did well you mentioned confidence and, and that was where i was going to lead into next you know you play we talked this summer when you were on the podcast you play such a tough non-district schedule because your district is so tough building confidence you know into a week like Ryle which is obviously going to be a tough test it's always a a hard-fought game you know when you get you start to get some numbers from your offensive guys and and let's let's be real the addition of Drew Worth back into the lineup and you know I had this conversation the other day with somebody going into the season last year the the thought that he was going to be there with another year under his belt and you know you got the Jeremiah Lee Eric Wright Eli White um and uh Xavier Smith you know good skill guys good defense and then you lose him you know having him back and then the addition of the one-two punch of Eli White and Brendan Ty I mean it's pretty easy to build some confidence when you got guys that are out there just doing their job it is, and you know, let's let's you know, let's talk about it now. Um, you know, we, we've we're coming off of some bad years for mm-hmm. Cooper. Um, you know, we haven't been very very successful the last couple of years, and you know, so your kids, you know, we came into this season knowing that our first four five, actually our first five games before, um, you know, we're going to be really tough football games, and um, you know, as a coach, you're always you know you're wanting to schedule hard, you're wanting to get your team prepared. But you're also knowing, hey, look, if we start off 0 and 4, 0 and 5, you know, where's this team going to go? You know, are we going to lose the locker room? Are we going to lose lose these kids? Are we going, you know, are they going to lose all their confidence? So us coming in 2 and 0 um, against what I think are two pretty good football teams, you know, we couldn't really ask for a better start than what we got. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got a really tough game this week, and you know, the the good thing that we've been able to do, and, and you know. Mentioned Drew, and you look at his numbers, and they're not great right now. Um, but it's because we haven't had to lean on him to to throw the ball as right. much as um, right. you know we think we can. And you know, and, and the best part about where we are right now is if we have to throw the ball forty times a game or thirty times a game to win that football game, 
I, I have complete confidence in him that we can do that and win a football game. Um, you, you know, so I don't think we've shown everything or, or we haven't really had to go into all of our bags offensively, you know, to be successful. So, you know, I, and the leadership that he brings to this offense, and really not even the offense, but the team. I mean, he, you know, he's a great leader. Um, you know, he's the type of kid that you want to build your program around because mm-hmm. he's always going to do things the right way. And um, he's going to hold kids accountable. So, you know, getting him back and, you know, he was still part of the program last year. But when you're out and, and, you know, you miss for surgery and you're not really playing, you don't have that same type of leadership role that you do when you're in there every day working with the kids, playing and and being the kids, you know, the guy that the kids are looking up to. Yeah. And it helps to have these senior leaders on this group who have been through some of the trials that the group has gone through the last couple of years, and you have these these young defensive players and offensive skill players that are performing and producing for you, that really helps. And I'm going to flip over to the defense side because it's something a normal conversation that we have. Cooper, in my opinion, has always been a very good defensive program. Your Friday night, you're playing against a an offense that I would say anybody in Northern Kentucky would have said would be the one one two three top offenses coming into the season really did a good job um, solidifying things and, and stopping the run. You know, Logan Landers is going to do his thing. He's going to get his numbers. Um, but really a co- good collective effort from the defense. I'm sure you're really proud there. Yeah, we, we are. And, and, you know, I, I mentioned this Friday night. Um, you know, we're really young on the defense side of the ball. And, um, you know, we played good defensively. We didn't play great. Um, we still got a lot of things we got to clean up on the defensive side of the ball as well as the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, what I think why we're so excited defensively is we are very young on the defensive side. Um, I think we're starting four sophomores and a freshman, you know, defensively right now. So, you know, we got, I think, three seniors. So we're going to continue to get better defensively. So we played well, but our goal is to continue to play better and better. And, you know, we're going to have our hands full Friday night. You know, we play a very, very, very good Ryle football team. That's that's very sound, and you know they're they're good in every aspect of the game. You know they got a big, big offensive line, uh, good skill kids. You know good receivers, good running backs, a uh, quarterback that runs ball very well. And Defense is really good as well. Nice yeah. Defensively is really good. So you know we're we we've enjoyed the first two weeks, but. We definitely have our hands full this Friday, and we're going to really see what we're made of come come Friday night about 7.30. Coach, appreciate you, brother. All right, man. Thank you. Covenant Catholic 42, Belfry 13. The Colonels notch win number one on Friday night in the Pike County Bowl, defeating a Belfry team that is a perennial 3A favorite. Braden Collins rushed for 72 yards and two touchdowns. Reed Hummel also rushed for 72 yards and a touchdown. Adam Holtz was 9-15 for 84 yards with a touchdown pass to Preston Agee. Holtz also rushed for 44 yards and a touchdown of his own. Nicholas Darple also had a touchdown run on Friday night. Aiden Jones led the defense with eight tackles. David Sullivan and Preston Agee each had seven. Dallas Worth, Oliver Bent, and Travis Stewart each had fumble recoveries for Cuffcath. Not much more that I have for them on that game. Boy, they started late. They did. Yeah, it was the doubleheader. Yeah. And was there lightning and the rain there? There must too? have been a delay because they didn't get started. I think they were right around halftime during our show, which was 11.15 to 11.30 on Friday night, and then they had to drive back. Someone told me they got back near 6 in the morning. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. That's tough. 
That's tough. But, you know, they come home with a 42-13 win, their first win of the season. And we saw this last year with Caleb Jacob as the season continued. We saw him being more of a threat as a runner. That's different from the Covcath offense we've seen the last few years where the quarterback is more of a distributor. Their team leader in number of carries, again, on Friday night was the quarterback. Adam Holtz had 10 carries, 44 yards, and a touchdown. And that's a different kind of element we've seen from Eddie Evanston's offense from last year carrying over maybe to this year. We don't know how many of those are designed. Some of them might have been designed passes that he rolled out, saw an opening, and took it. But still, to have that threat at the quarterback position, and then, of course, Braden Collins and Reed Hummel, I think are going to have outstanding years for Cuffcath in the backfield. The other name I wanted to point out is Preston Agee. Again, playing his second game at Cuffcath, had the big 60-yard catch against Elder in Week 1. Again, makes another play in Week 2 with a touchdown catch. That's a guy who I think is going to be a big difference maker for them because they were missing a big threat in the passing game with uh, the loss of, and his name escapes me, from, from last year. Big, big wide receiver on the outside. It'll come to me at some point in the show. But he's no longer there, and you have to have someone fill in, and I think Preston Agee can be that guy going forward. But you look at the schedule, and the next four weeks are tough. <laughs> yeah. Lexington Catholic, Dixie, Beachwood, Cooper. Now Cooper out to this great start. So Cuffcath has their hands full the next four weeks, but to get that first win I think is really good for the Colonels. Yeah, and... 5A is just so much more interesting right now. <laughs> Especially with the development of what we've seen from Highlands the first two weeks to go mm-hmm. out and play the way they are. That kind of a threat offensively and to win at Bowling Green and beat Simon Kenton. Those are the two flagship programs of 5A, but there's Cooper right there, right, with a 2-0 start that maybe yeah. is throwing their hat in the ring to be one of those contenders as well. You're talking 5A. about Ethan Reardon? Ethan Reardon. That's who it was, yeah. Big-time threat down the field last year. A lot of times, Caleb needed a big play. He would let mm-hmm. him go make the play. Maybe Preston Ag can be the kind of guy that gives him a down-the-field well, Preston threat. Preston Ag brings a lot of varsity experience, too. He does. And he's played a lot of different positions yeah. on the varsity level. So he, he yeah. knows the field from different angles and kind of understands how a quarterback can play. Because I think he had some time. He was a lot of, spent a lot of time at quarterback. At Campbell County. So when so. does Eddie th- do the uh, the old trick play where you know Preston carries the ball and all of a sudden he throws the 60-yard bomb? You got to think he <laughs> has coming. it somewhere in there in the <laughs> offense. Yeah, but yeah. For the record, I don't know if that's actually in the cards, but hey, whatever. It's a good thought. Uh, final quarter, top three nominee. Right. As long as we have it on film, (laughs) we just need the video, baby. Ryle, 40. Connor, 7. Ryle, defense played really well on Friday night. Connor did not have a first down in the first half. Nathan Yohan had a 50-yard interception return for a touchdown. Logan Virax threw touchdown passes to Caden Gardner, Jamison Smith, and Jace Harden. Harden and Cole Meyer both ran for touchdowns for the Raiders. Uh, Logan Virex did not throw an interception in this game. He finished with 188 yards passing in the first half and didn't throw a pass in the second half. For Connor, Alex Castrusi threw a 10-yard touchdown pass to Clayton Melcher and added 26 yards on the ground. Elijah Thompson had 39 yards rushing for the Cougars. Defensively, Clayton Melcher and Alex Castrusi each had eight tackles on the night. Melcher and Eddie Thomas also recorded sacks. Cooper Elliston had five tackles for the Cougars. Story of this game, and this is coming from a team who scored 40 points, but the story is the Ryle defense yeah. on Friday night. They bottled up what is one of the more dynamic quarterbacks in Northern Kentucky and Alex Castrusi. Connor only had 26 yards passing and 66 yards rushing, 
and Ryle also intercepted two passes. So for a team that has the offensive firepower and capability that Ryle does with an emerging quarterback, now on top of that, you have a defense who performed the way they did against Connor. And what we circled as a big game on Friday night, that to me stands out as the most impressive part of the night. Also, what was impressive was Jace Harden. I don't know if you've seen the play. I but did. Find my Twitter, at Fox19Joe, and watch Jace Harden cook a defense like he's James Harden. <laughs> that kid made one of the more impressive plays you'll see on a Friday night in Northern Kentucky. And then for Connor, looking forward now to next week and what I'm trying to find the right label for. They play Dixie next week. These are two teams coming off disappointing losses. It kind of feels like the Wounded Animal Bowl next week when Connor and Dixie play each other. So I'm looking forward to seeing which team can bounce back next week. But the story on Friday night for Ryle, after what I thought was a good performance week one, only thing that stopped them week one was turnovers. Yeah. They cleaned that up. Logan Virax took care of the football. They scored 40 points, and that defense looked real against Connor. And rivalry games kind of do that to people, especially on your defense. Yeah. Woodford County 34, Campbell County 14. Camels go to 1-1 one one on the season against the 5A Yellow Jackets. Camel County quarterback Keegan Hill threw only for 37 yards but ran for both of the Camel touchdowns. Camden Abel ran for 74 yards. Zach Funston had 10 tackles for the Fighting Wolf defense. Nathan Smith and Mitch McElroy had six. McElroy also had a sack on Friday night. Larry Hall and Raymond Hodge had five. What was it you said about Coach Wolf staring into a fire? Yeah. Like thinking about things. Dishing out CTE. And- well, he's got to be thinking back to when he played high school football and wondering if he can still put on the pads because his defense allowed more than 250 yards rushing and more than 400 yards of offense. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that has to bother him. Sure. As a guy who played. And he was a defensive coordinator for yeah, years. Played defense at a high level, was a defensive coordinator. Uh, certainly that's, I'm sure, the thing that they're looking to fix going forward. And you look at Campbell County's schedule upcoming. Boy, four straight road games, including next week against undefeated Highlands. So that fire, yeah, it, it's literally staring at the fire and then, then jumping into it next week against Highlands. But the thing about those kinds of games, they always give you a chance to bounce back and get a huge win and mm-hmm. erase a bad taste that they have against Woodford. Newport Central Catholic 12, Holmes 8, Newcath notches their first win of the season in a wild night in Covington. The Breds took the early lead on a complete pass that turned into a fumble and another fumble, which is picked up by Luke Runyon that he housed to give the Breds a 6 to nothing lead. Holmes would then take an 8-6 lead in the fourth on a block punt in the end zone that was recovered by Thomas Long for the touchdown. Amarion Arnolds would convert the two-point play. Newcath would answer with an 80-yard drive that ended on a Matthew, Matthew Landrum touchdown reception from Colton Smith with 138 remaining. Holmes would return the kick to the 44 and march down the field before Quentin Gilliam made the game-winning tackle at the two-yard line to win the game. Uh, And this is a game that the Breds needed to win, and honestly a loss that the Bulldogs were trying hard to avoid. Colton Smith was 13 of 28 for 215 yards, including the two touchdowns. Matthew Landrum finished with eight catches for 104 yards. The Newcath running game was pretty much non-existent in this one, recording a Minus 13 yards for the game, something I'm sure Coach Lickert is addressing literally at this moment. Uh, Gilliam led the Breds' defense with 19 tackles. Dominic Morgan had 12. C.J. Gavin had 11. Nathan DuPont with 10. Demetri Welch with 9. And Luke Runyon recorded a family-high 
seven tackles. <laughs> <laughs> Holmes's uh, Tez Callaway ran the ball 23 times for 104 yards. His brother Tay Callaway rushed 18 times for 67 yards. Arnold had 36 yards on the ground for Holmes. Tay Callaway had three catches for 19 yards. The funny thing is, you never know how a game plan works, and maybe this was the game plan for Newcath. We're going to attack Holmes through the air, but it's just the Newcath I know is always a team that's run first and then mixes in some pass. They threw it 28 times successfully for 215 yards, but then, yeah, you look at it, 11 carries as a team, negative 13 yards. That seems so different for Newcastle, but you find ways to win and sounded like a pretty wild fourth quarter at this game to get out of there with their first win of the season after losing to Campbell County week one. You mentioned the names, Quinton Gilliam, Demetric Welch. I mean, these guys combined for nearly 30 tackles in seven tackles for loss. So these guys are making plays in the backfield. The team had nine tackles for loss. You talk about short-circuiting drives. When you make plays in the backfield and put a team behind the chains the way that defense did, we can talk about Colton Smith, his development, 200-plus yards passing. That's excellent. Maybe they have to run the ball better. Yep, certainly Matthew Landrum made some plays on the outside as a receiver. But I think, again, the story here is the defense and Newcast defense making plays in the backfield. Held Holmes to only eight points. And the Callaway brothers are probably two of the toughest dudes to tackle in Newark, Kentucky. So explosive. Those guys can take the ball at any point on the field and score a touchdown. For those guys to do what they did and make plays near the line of scrimmage and in the backfield, I think when you look at the box score and you try to dissect a game, I think that's where Newport Central Catholic won. Lloyd, 62, Grant County, 26, an offensive onslaught for the Jugs Friday and Erlanger. Spencer Hayden threw for 128 yards and dropped three dimes for touchdowns and then added a touchdown run of his own. Kated Zulager, I remember that name from last year. It's my dude. Is he blue steel? Yes. He rushed 13 times for 171 yards with two touchdowns. Ethan Spalding, fan of the show, ran the ball nine times for 59 yards and a touchdown. Yuri Collins, Comer, and Quentin Jones also had touchdown runs for the Juggernauts. Braxton Irwin had a 48-yard touchdown catch. Quentin Jones and Isaiah Sebastian had t- touchdown catches as well in this game. Uh, Jeremiah Lyles had six tackles. Uh, Isaiah Sebastian, Caden Zulager, and Joe Cooley each added five tackles. Cooley had two sacks. Caden Tomlinson and Jagger Eikhoff had four tackles and a sack as well. This is like the name team. I love it. They win. Yeah, I wonder if Caden Zulager has seen Zoolander and understands so. the blue steel we could joke. probably make that the graphic next week. Yeah, if not, we'll make that happen. I need to get I like somebody that. to go take pictures at Lloyd and superimpose him in that. I mean, you go out for 171 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, that's a big-time game. Look, Lloyd, 60-plus points. That's kind of a get-right week against Grant County to go out there and improve to 1-1. One and one. We saw what the game plan was here. They only threw it 11 times. They ran for 273 yards and six touchdowns. That is dominance on the ground, and that is a hat tip and a shout-out to the offensive line and the offensive minds, the coaching staff who put together the kind of game plan to go out and win this. But we talked about Hayden Spencer, man. We talked about week one. This kid has ability, an efficient 7 for 11, 128 yards and three touchdowns. He completed seven passes, almost half of them went for touchdowns. So he's got big play ability, and they've got some options now. Caden Zulager, Ethan Spalding, Braxton Irwin. I think those are going to be some names we see throughout the season as guys – getting it done for Lloyd. And, and these are all skill Friday. players that have returned from last year. They're all names we remember. Yeah. And that's, you know, when you get that kind of team and you have a little seasoning and you get some more development from these guys, I think 
The thing about Lloyd is you look at their schedule, and I did last night. Boy, it's tough. It is tough. It's a tough schedule for them. But I think there's going to be games where they pop up and have some big wins, and certainly 60-plus points gets your attention when they do that on a Friday night. Lachlan, 20, Ludlow, 13. The Panthers draw even at 1-1 with the loss in Ohio on Friday night. Braxton Newborn and Brogan O'Brien continue to put up numbers. Newborn had 128 yards on the ground, and O'Brien threw for 117 yards and a touchdown to Cameron Whalen, who finished with 68 receiving yards. Brogan added 35 yards on the ground with a rushing touchdown. Newborn led the defense with 10 tackles. Sean Bowling and O'Brien had nine tackles. Dustin Brewer had eight tackles in a sack. Ethan Powell and Braxton Newborn also had fumble recoveries for Ludlow. So 18 carries, 128 yards for Braxton Newborn. That is light work for a guy with his ability and what we've seen from him last year and going into this year. And I've been talking about a 2,000-yard season for him. So he's at 262 yards after two games. You take in the full regular season and at least one playoff game. He's pacing right now for a 1,500-yard season, which is funny to say, but that's kind of under the expectation I had for him. But it's only two weeks into it. You think about their schedule and what they have going forward, okay? So Newborn had about 400 yards and seven touchdowns against Carroll County and Bishop Rossard combined last season. They're two of the next three games coming up on the schedule. Paris is next week. Paris already gave up a big ground game to Frankfurt earlier in the year. So the next three weeks, I'm looking for Newborn to start posting some of those 200-yard games that we saw from him last year. But again, those teams understand now the scouting report's different yeah. on Braxton Newborn, and right? Carroll County and Bishop Rossard are, are improved from last year, too. They know yeah. what's coming, and if they're listening to this show, <laughs> they now know to circle Braxton Newborn. No, every coach in Northern Kentucky knows that kid can play, and he's going to be the top of their game plan. But uh, Brogan O'Brien, the B.O.B., uh, kind of bottled up in this game, 15 carries, 35 yards. He had a really big game week one. The numbers weren't as big week two. But going forward, those are the two guys that are going to carry this team, both offensively and defensively. I mean, look at Newborn. 18 carries and also 10 tackles. That's a guy that they ask to do a lot, and he always does. Bishop Prosser, 21, Newport, 7. The Mustangs moved to 2-0 on the season on the backs of their rushing attack. Jed Martin ran for 167 yards and scored twice. Jacob Light ran for an 84. 84- Ran for 85 yards and a score. Jacob was 3 of 4 for 29 yards, targeting Evan Orth twice. Orth led the Brosser defense with six tackles and also forced a fumble. Jed Martin had six tackles. Caleb Lukes had five and forced a fumble. Derek Martin recovered a fumble for the mean green. For Newport, their only score came on a 36-yard fumble recovery by Eliza White. Ethan Jefferson threw for 122 yards. Michael King ran for 55 yards. Robert Sanders led the Wildcats on defense with 10 tackles and a sack. Michael King and Kyler Jones had seven tackles. And Andrew Rath had six. So I have a lot of thoughts from this game. And I'll start with Bishop Brossard because we know the formula for Bishop Brossard is running the football. Jacob Light, only four passes, but 18 carries, 85 yards. Very productive game. Jed Martin is the guy to me. That is standing out for Bishop Brossard after two weeks. And Trevor Shadler was the guy last year, right? He was the guy who got the ball a ton for Bishop Brossard. But it looks like Jed Martin is that guy. I wish I would have drafted him on my Northern Kentucky high school football fantasy team. Because Wait, he has, is that, hold on. Is that, is that something we're going to do? We can do it. We should have like a mock draft yeah. show in here. <laughs> I would have gotten Jed Martin off the waiver wire and just beasted on you. Because this guy through two weeks... 47 carries, 
247 yards and two touchdowns. He's getting the football a lot. And when you have a guy like that, that you can rely on to move the chains and get in the end zone, I think Bishop Ross is going to ride him a lot this year. There's a guy for Newport I want to talk about, Robert Sanders. You mentioned him, his numbers in this game. So his numbers in this game were, you had him down for 10 10 tackles tackles and a sack. sack. Two weeks, this guy has 15 tackles, five tackles for loss, and three sacks. I mean, this guy's like Lawrence Taylor down at Newport High School. Robert Sanders is a name I'll be watching throughout the rest of the year. The other thing that jumped out to me, I saw on the stat line, and I don't know if it's because of injury or just to get somebody else in there, give him a shot for Brian Reinrich. Newport played two quarterbacks. So Ethan Jefferson got the start, and then Davion Mays came in and had some time there, quarterback. He threw the ball seven times or 18 yards. So uh, maybe there was a little bit of a, a quarterback I don't want to call it a controversy, but Brian Weinrich looking at other options, perhaps a quarterback, because we all know what Ethan Jefferson can do. I mean, he's a playmaker on the football field. Yeah. Wherever he is, he's going to do some good things. But uh, certainly through two weeks, Newport 0-2 with Brian Weinrich looking to kickstart the offense in any way he can. But Brosser, to me, the story of this game is Jed Martin, his emergence in the backfield, he and Jacob Light are going to do good things. Beachwood 49, Paintsville nothing. The cover of the Daily Independent called this the tale of two tigers on Saturday morning, and was it ever. Beachwood moves to 2-0 on the season on the back of a massive offensive outpouring from the visitors from the north. You need to do like a locks of the night. Locks? Locks of the night. Okay. I, I don't know what there was, you know, I'm talking about fantasy football here. Yeah. Now we're talking about actual like putting lines on these games because uh, you called this thing. I did. You called it. You said Beachwood running clock. And I said, now wait a minute, Paintsville that's a program, man. That is a state champion program. You, sir, locks of the night. The lock of the night was Beachwood running clock. You nailed it. I don't like putting on uh, the locks of the night. It was a well, joke, right man. now we're uh, one for one. Jeremy's 0 for 1, and I'm 1 and 0. Or I don't know how that works. Yeah. I'm not really a betting. The man. thing is, the thing about it is, and when you go with something like this, you can't force it. Mm-hmm. You just have to feel it. You know, you don't have to force it every week, but you felt this one. Steve, you nailed it. I'll tell you why I felt it. Paintsville is usually a program with big guys up front, you know, pretty good running game. One of the things with Beachwood, maybe not be as big as that team, but they're really quick, really strong up front. I felt like they would do a really good job pressuring the uh, quarterback from Paintsville, do a really good job of containing the running back, which they obviously did. And no offense to anybody, but Beachwood, their skill position players are just a step quicker. They're different than than what I would expect from um, a, a, a Eastern team, Eastern Mountains team. Just my opinion; it's not a shot at anybody, but it's the the dynamic of Northern Kentucky football is more that speed spread about. Let your skill guys do things. Where in the mountains are different. It's the power game, and and I really felt like. This game was good for Beachwood to execute their plan. That's just how I felt about it. That Beachwood could neutralize yes, that's that Paintsville size up front and then have the difference with their difference makers yeah. at quarterback. That's why you're a professional skill players. sports broadcaster. And you are Jimmy the Greek. Facts. I'm going to quote Mike Muncie from the Daily Independent here. This is a quote. Okay. Beachwood got the ball to start the game. And after looking at third and four on Paintsville's 32-yard line, Paintsville looked to hold the Beachwood offense. Enter Cameron 
Herget. <laughs> in <laughs> capital amazing. letters. Herget's 60-yard run set up the first score of the night on a two-yard touchdown run from the senior quarterback, and the Tigers were off to the races. Brady Moore's five-yard touchdown catch put the Tigers up 14 to nothing. Avery Courtney then had a five-yard touchdown run to make it 21 to nothing. Mitchell Berger then ran off three consecutive touchdowns, a two-yard touchdown run, a 20-yard touchdown reception, which I'm sure everybody got out of the way of, and an eight-yard run to initiate the mercy rule. Alex Courtney, I wonder if that's Avery's little brother, scored the final Beachwood touchdown on a one-yard rush into the end zone. What do you think the competition like is there? Well, you get it home, and you are you got this beast older brother. See, that's the thing. Who had four touchdowns last week you and gotta, another you, one tonight. You got to match older brother, but it's hard. And homeboy comes in, and he's yeah. like, you know, like, hey, I scored a touchdown tonight. I'm getting to shower first. And he's like, yeah, okay. All right. Come <laughs> here, I got something to tell you. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> Herget was 10 of 18 for 90 yards and two touchdowns. He ran the ball 13 times for 165 yards and a touchdown. Avery Courtney ran for 55 yards. Mitch Berger rushed for 26. Berger also had three catches for 35 yards. Brady Moore also had three catches for 26 yards. And not to be left out, little brother Alex Courtney. I hope that's little brother. He had six. He ran the ball six times for 47 yards. So Beachwood's two-week total is 84 to nothing against two teams who did serious damage in Kentucky's playoffs last season. So that question I asked early in the show that I teased, right? Here's the question I'm asking. This is now the talking point here. I'm hijacking the show. I'm in. Is Beachwood the best team in Northern Kentucky? Uh, um, let me ask you, let me say this. I think, because it's hard for me to say who's best, honestly, because you just don't know head-to-head. Um, we have some really good programs here right now, and they're, and they're all strong at certain things. And you're also going to see three of those guys in the next four weeks, you know, with uh, Beachwood will play Covenant Catholic, mm-hmm. they'll play Dixie Heights. I don't believe that they play like a Cooper or Ryle. I don't know if they're playing Ryle. They played Ryle last year. I don't know if they play that, but, um, you know, Highlands is playing well too. That's tough. That's the thing. I I think that they return, in my opinion, I think they return the most experience. And the only reason I say that is because they won a state title. I think that's fair. It's fair to, to, to articulate it in that way because these kids won a state title and, and are returning. They have all that skill. Their defense is really good as well. Obviously, we see what they've done. I mean, was that pitch two shutouts mm-hmm. in a row back-to-back? 84 nothing. Um, I mean, I think the case could be made for a, a few other teams. Yes, I think there were a few teams that have separated themselves. And we uh, knew Beachwood was already separated sure. from what they had last year, what they did last year, what they had coming back. I think the cop-out answer is the right answer yeah. is we don't know yet yeah. we just don't know it's two weeks and there are separation games coming very much in the f- next few weeks but i think that needs to be kind of in the back of mind right now that a team with a smaller size class size might be might be the best team in northern kentucky but that'll play out on the field yeah boone county 27 scott high seven Boone gets their first one of the season on the road against the Eagles. Richard West threw for 102 yards and rushed for another 125 yards. He threw two touchdown passes, one to Skylar Sears, who finished with 60 yards receiving, and another to Braden McCarty, who had three catches for 52 yards. Jeremiah Williams ran the ball 18 times for 79 yards. 
Gary Graves had four tackles for the Rebels. Michael Lee had three tackles and two sacks. Samuel Brown had three tackles for Scott. Benny Hill scored the lone Eagles touchdown on their first play from scrimmage following a Boone County turnover. Benny Hill finished with 43 yards on the ground. Nate Meyer ran the ball twice for 16 yards and also had the fumble recovery to set up the Hill touchdown. Zach Shepard led the defense with 14 tackles. Damon Hacker and Jordan Johnson each had 13. Sage Lally and Griffin Henderson had six. Griffin Henderson actually led the team in tackles last week when Zach Shepard was in right behind that. Cameron Patterson had five tackles and an interception for the Eagles. I haven't seen him play yet, but Richard West, sounds like this guy's got some juice to mm-hmm. him. I mean, he's putting up big numbers so far. Put up some big numbers against Scott, but he flashed a little bit last year, I remember. He did. For Boone County. And to see him develop and blossom a bit here this year early on, I think has been good to see. You know, he had two touchdown passes last week that were called back okay. for penalties. And so, I mean, without without that, yeah. who knows? And, and both of them were good yardage plays, maybe 30 yards, 40 yards. So. so the story to me in this game is Boone County. Look, you go back to last season and their final game of the regular season, they beat Walton Verona. Mm-hmm. So they've won two of their last three games. And this is a program. Now, keep in mind, in the last five years, they've gone two wins in 2020, two wins in 2019, two wins in 18, one win in 17, one win in 16, no wins in 15. So is this the year that they can break through and and, and maybe get three wins, maybe get four wins? They've won two of their last three games going back to last year. So with a good quarterback, a coach who's used to winning and selling houses, they're off to a good start this year. One and one uh, to get this win, uh, first win of the year. A uh, 20-point win, an impressive win yeah. against Scott. This one surprised me a little bit when I saw the final score come Thought through. it would be a good game. After what Scott yeah. did week one against Walt Verona, Agreed. who's got a very good program, a, a, a traditional winning season program. I thought Scott uh, kind of took a step forward last year or last week in week one, but for Boone County to come back and win by 20, that surprised me. It's a good win for Boone. Metcalf County, 53, Bellevue, 7. I don't have any stats here for this one. Uh, Walton, Verona, 47, and Holy Cross, 24. This was the Saturday night finale. The Bearcats pick up their first one of the season. Tyson Beach ran for 133 yards and a touchdown. Jonathan Freeman ran for 131 yards and three touchdowns. Wiley Baker, my dude, had 68 yards and a touchdown, and Trey Hatmaker had a touchdown run as well for the Indians, who dropped to 1-1. Javier Eisen was 5 of 16 for 88 yards and threw a 67-yard touchdown pass to Javier Ward, who also had a 33-yard run in the game and returned three kicks for 119 yards, including an 82-yard kickoff return. He just this kid two weeks in a row he does it all right. Not only does he return the kick, then he recovers or he's on the <sighs> kickoff cover team. This poor kid up and down. It was a hot night too. Yeah. I was on the sidelines. This kid is everywhere on the field at all times. He's that kind of a player. Lavar Jones rushed 12 times for 50 yards. It's something you said when you got here today. Have you seen? Lavar Jones, and I've not seen him in person. Whoa! But he's a big cat. He is a big young man, and I looked him up last night, and I saw he's a sophomore. Boy, that is a that is a fun kid to watch yeah. on Friday nights. I want to call him the bus, but you can't do that. This is not Pittsburgh. I can't name someone after Jerome Bettis, so I'm calling him the Covington Greyhound going forward. <laughs> I mean, it takes sometimes six, seven kids for the defense to bring this guy down. And uh, he was a lot of fun to watch. But just a few observations for me watching this game on the sideline on Saturday night because they played it Saturday and not Friday uh, was Walton Verona has a lot of guys 
all over the field that at any point can be a playmaker. This Tyson Beach kid didn't know much about him. He, in fact, personally invited me to come out and film the game and Love get him. footage. And you know what? That's the best way to get a local TV guy to come out and cover your yeah. game. Tweet right at me. He said, hey, come check out our team. And I did. And he showed up and he showed out. He made a couple of big plays in this game, scored a touchdown. Very impressed with him. He looks like a kid who can play on the next level. Really big game for Johnny Freeman. Johnny football scored three touchdowns in this game. So he had a big night. Tyson Beach had a big night. We know what Jacob Gaines is. Jacob Gaines had face paint on. It was like the eye black. He painted his face <laughs> with the eye black. He looked like the Joker what? from the movie Joker, the way he painted it. <laughs> he took off his helmet. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. High school kids are the absolute what best. What was that movie when we were in high school? Was it called, was that the program? Yes. Where the dude. Latimer. That's him. Starting defense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that, that level. That was like Mike Wolf and Bryson Warner in <laughs> yes. high school. Honestly, I think that because, you know, when they watched it, they might have been in college at that point. Who knows? Inspired by yeah. Latimer. Mike Wolf's just watching that movie, smoking cigarettes, and like, I'm going to paint my face and. Go out there and dish it out to people. So, Jacob Gaines, thanks for <laughs> inspiring that fun 10 seconds. But, yeah, Walton Verona, as I looked, as I watched him play, I said, what, I'm kind of saying to myself, what happened week one? You know, it's, it's football. Things happen. But this team looked good, looked dangerous offensively, especially with multiple playmakers all over the field. But, my gosh, is Javier Ward explosive. He is. That 67-yard touchdown pass you talk about, that was a bubble screen. He made one man miss and gone. No one anywhere near him. He also took a kickoff back, you mentioned. That guy is just human dynamite, just ready to explode. He's not the only one. They have a lot of guys on this team who look very dangerous. Well, you mentioned LeVar Jones, and he led the team in rushing last year in yeah. yardage. And he's so different because the other guys are so small, yeah. thin, and he's just and he's big. just a monster. You, you know, it's, it's a nice change of pace, change up there in the backfield. But the other thing about Holy Cross, one other observation, team all visor. Like, all these dudes who play the skill positions – all have the coolest visors, man. They look good in their uniforms. I got to give them credit. I got to give them props for that. But the 100th win in the history of Walton Verona's program. Uh, congrats to them. Yeah, so 100 wins for them. And then Holy Cross going forward. I mean, their schedule, Scott, Brossert, NCC, mm -hmm. Holmes Beach. But boy, it doesn't get any easier no. going forward for Holy Cross. So uh, some things to clean up, fix for them. But uh, I think the story of the night was Walton Verona. A lot of skill position players, emergences of, of a guy like Tyson Beach and Johnny Freeman. And then 100 wins. Big deal. On to the week three games. On Thursday, Bishop Brossert will travel to Bellevue. On, going into the Friday game, Somerset at Beachwood. Very interesting on this one. You got a lock of the night on that one? No, I, nope. I don't. Uh, I will say that, I, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about Somerset. I would have to look into them. But on paper, just looking at it, things like, wow, that could be a big game. I'm pretty sure that they graduated a lot of dudes from last year. Yeah. So we'll see. When's the last time Beachwood played a home game? So you think the first two weeks were road games, state championship neutral, semifinals was, was at West, West Carter. Carter. So I guess the, it was the regional finals was at Breath of County. Yeah, so last four games have been road games, so a chance now to get back home and play in Fort Mitchell. Holmes will travel to Boone County. Another another game that is going to feature dudes that are running the ball well, playing defense. And we know what Holmes is. We know Holmes is dangerous with, with the Callaways. This this is the game here. Now Boone County. If, if they win this, good point. They, they go to 2-1, and one, have a winning record, and tie their win total for the last few seasons. So a chance here for Boone County. I got to think Bryson's looking at this game as like an opportunity here to like, 
And once you have that success, you know, sometimes kids start to taste it, they see it, and it changes the attitude of the program and changes the culture a little bit. And I'm sure he's been working on the culture at Boone County and trying yeah, to get him yes. back to understanding that, mm-hmm. guys, you can win football games. This is one I'm circling because Holmes needs it. Mm-hmm. Boone County wants it. I think that could be an under-the-radar big game on Friday. Another big game, Ryle will travel to Cooper High. What do you think of this show? Boy, that's a good one. Well, that one just went up a notch from what yeah. Cooper did against Dixie. So we know what Ryle is. Ryle was just a couple of turnovers from week one away from being 2-0 after playing a hard schedule. And Cooper, after beating Dixie, who might be, who I thought was, the best 6A team in Northern Kentucky, boy, now you're looking at a really big game there. That, without looking at the rest of the games, Lex Kath, Cuffcath would be a really good one. That might be starred and circled as the game of the night on Friday, Ryle and Cooper. Yeah, you mentioned Lex and Catholic Cuffcath. I was going to say this might be my lock. I think Cuffcath comes home. Lexcath comes up. I think Cuffcath's playing well. They get this one here. Yep, I agree. No, I'm not giving a score production. Yep. <laughs> Western Hills will travel to Dayton High. Connor will go to Dixie. You talked a lot about that earlier. The Wounded Animal Bowl. The Need It Bowl. Yeah. The Who Can Bounce Back Bowl. Usually this is a pretty competitive game as well, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I In your two quarterbacks who are dual Agreed. threat guys, yeah. Castrusi and Landers, that's a good undercard to a good game. Campbell County will go to Highlands. Look, you know, Highlands is going to look to go 3-0 and for the first time. I don't know how many years. Uh, Campbell County going to come in, try to, number one, stop the offensive game, number one, with court, uh, Charlie Noon. Yep. You know, find a way to neutralize this passing game, the running game. So I mean, Highlands is coming off a 600-yard offensive yeah. night. Campbell County is coming off giving up more than 400 yards. Highlands could put up some numbers in this game. Scott will travel to Thomas Moore to play the Holy Cross Indians. Uh, Lloyd will host Providence, Indiana. Don't know much about them. Roger Bacon, you, you might know a little more about this one, Joe. Roger Bacon will travel to Newport Central Catholic. So they were supposed to play last year, yeah. and it got canceled because of COVID, and Newport Catholic would have seen Corey Kiner, who was Mr. Football, Football. in Ohio, went to LSU. He's gone now, so they are trying to replace Probably the best player they've had at Roger Bacon, at least in the last 40 years. So they're a little bit different this year. They've got off to a decent start so far this season, uh, but they're not nearly as explosive as they were last year with Corey Kiner. Newport will travel to Pendleton County. Grant County will travel to Walton Verona. And Simon Kenton on Saturday will travel to Southwestern. Again, looking for a win there. Yes, and Simon Kenton is a team that we saw... And we've seen in spurts has looked good. They just haven't put it together for four quarters. I mean, they played Highlands, who is one of the better teams in Northern Kentucky, outscored them 17 nothing. A nice 17 nothing. I know runs aren't a thing in football, but they had 17 unanswered points. Got back in the game. It just could not get enough stops. The question is can they put together four quarters? Seems like they unlocked the offense a little bit. They got the running game going with Jaden Lawson. Chase Crone's going to do his thing. Can they get enough stops against Southwestern to get yeah. what would be their first win? And that's the, the thing in the last couple of years with Simon Kenton is just finding ways to get off the field for the defense. Any final thoughts, Joe? The only final thought would be is that we're just, you know, two weeks into it. And, you know, the question I asked about Beachwood, who's the best team in Northern Kentucky, I just don't think we can answer it yet. I, I think we need to see more football. We need to see some of these teams play against each other. And even sometimes when they do play each other and they go back and forth and who wins this game and who wins that game, you still can't even separate some of these teams. We saw it last year in 6A. 
These teams all played each other. They beat each other. We didn't know who was going to come out as the best team in 6A. But I, I think maybe the big takeaway for me after two weeks is just how good. And we saw this coming, how good 5A might be this season Agreed. in Northern Kentucky. That's exciting to me because 5A has been dominated by one team here the last several years. It might be a little different this year with some more challengers coming up to try to challenge Covcat to be the best team in 5A. For me, coming into week two, Really wanted to see offensive numbers bounce up. Last week, there was still not a lot of flow. Well, the flow was found <laughs> this week. You know, offenses, they make the games exciting. Let's be real. And look at some of the scores. We saw numbers all over the place. So I'm, I've enjoyed that, uh, reading about these games and following up on it. A lot of excitement. How have you enjoyed your new role now that you're two weeks into it? Of It's, it's tough. Putting together the assignments it's for tough. referees on every weekend. It is tough. It is one of the hardest things that I've ever done, to be honest with you. Just because there's, there's so many moving parts. And that's not even... Look, we had a, we've had we had a two-week period here where we've had heat. We've had uh, quarantine situations. You know, So you do all this preparation building up, and all of a sudden you get a call like, hey, by the way, we're going to be canceled here. Weather. Trying to move. Yeah, we're going to be moving. And Friday was like in the dark night where... Uh, Morgan Freeman is just standing in front of the, the all the screens, you know, watching everything unfold. That was that was literally me. You know, I got I had a shower. I was ready to go out and watch games, and all of a sudden the skies opened up. And so you were going to go out. I was at the games. Yeah. What were you going to go to? Actually, I was going to go out and watch Cooper Dixie yep. and Rylan Connor. Okay. And, and like last week, I went to you know, Scott, and then I went over to Simon Kent. So I'm trying to watch a half and trying to get out and do that just to see other people. Um, be able to not watch the teams, but watch the crews. Is that it? Do you watch the crews? Yes. Yeah, I'm not watching the games. Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy watching the crews? Okay. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's no different than, you know, something that you do on your end. You enjoy going out and watching games and so you can cover on it. But But when I go out, I don't watch like the other news departments, camera guys shoot the games. No, I'm just messing. But I understand. But you have to report back on what they're doing. It's the same thing that I have to do. Yeah. You know, we're trying to get better too. And I, and I will say this, and I don't have a problem saying it. You know, officiating is, is something that is a lot of fun. It is hard, and it takes up time. We got a small group of folks. They're going out, and the heat, all on the weekends, during the week, they're trying to get better. Nobody's walking out saying, hey, I want to see this team win today or that team win today. They're just going out to officiate. Things happen. Things come up. Have we been perfect? No. Um, have the teams been perfect? No. So as the season unfolds, things will get cleaned up a little bit. We had a much, much cleaner week this week than we did last week. It's a profession that is really important. We are on the cusp, and I mean this, and I didn't have any desire to speak on this, but you know, we're on the cusp of having canceled games because we don't have enough people to call the games. And that is a combination of things between attrition, the way the behavior of spectators or coaches it's a combination of things you know so when I mean, these people are going out there they're not making hardly any money and it costs them money to to get started up and do this thing so i mean i'm proud of the way what we're doing have we been perfect no but our people are are working hard you know they, they want to get better so that all goes into that whole thing but it is it is it is very it is very difficult i'm not gonna lie so today's lesson is give your local referee a hug <laughs> you don't have to do that you know just give him a fist bump nice. man it's the code well you know i actually had, i'll be honest with you i had a conversation with a coach yesterday who remained nameless who actually apologized for his behavior on friday he said you know i 
you know, we're having trouble getting people and keeping people. And here I am, yeah. you know, saying, said something that he said. So, you know, I mean, I, I appreciate that. It's a weird animal because the coaches, they have jobs because of the kids and they're going to fight for their kids. I understand that part of it. You know, I have a job to fight for our guys. I have. Um, right has been right. Wrong has been wrong. All only thing I've asked is that we try to be on the right side of that. But everybody's been great to work with. We need more people out. I'll tell you what we need. We need to get some of these kids that are in college that are fresh out of the game who you know, need something to do. They can make a little extra money. That's not why you're going to do it. But you know, because they're so close to the game and they still have a tie and a love to the game, just to get out, you know, you could say give back a little bit, but it's you're not going to get the, the camaraderie with what we do is no different than the camaraderie in the locker room for the team. Um, you know, sometimes you go on the road, you ride together. It's just like riding the bus with the football team. You're in the locker room, you're, you're chatting, you're talking, you're laughing, you know, you're group texting. It's the same thing. It's the same dynamic. You know, the only thing is you've got to see something different. You're not following the ball everywhere. But, um, you know, again, you know, I am enjoying it. It has been very rewarding. It, is, uh, it has been tough, but I'm enjoying it. Jeremy, you got anything? No. No, you got to say it. Oh, we have new babies. We have new babies. We have They've two arrived. little boys. Yeah, yeah they have arrived. Right. So now the, the Scott High uh, boys basketball program, we are plus three. <laughs> so are you guys going to take out, like, the conditioning – final 10 minutes of practice and make that like a, a diapers we could do this changing actually we had, a, we had a coaches group text the other day when the boys when the boys were born jeremy sent a um, a little video of maxine in her little i don't even know what you call this thing it was a swing okay it's a swing yes okay and he said chris you need to get two of these because he's got twins yeah and then i said we need to get three and then we could just post them up at practice, put them in the locker room, put them in the locker room. And then, and then, you know, the boys can see them and it would be a good life lesson. Like, Hey, you know, (laughs) here you go. You know, be good. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you got three boys, brother. You better not be laughing too hard. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) All right. That is the week two show. We will see you guys next week. (laughs) 